Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by the Pal World Master, Mr. Maddie No, I took a break. Did you? Yeah, I'm taking a break from Pal World. Just, I don't know. It seems like that's a game that's going to have a lot coming to it in terms of updates and stuff like that. And I don't want to burn out from it so quickly, especially with one of the first things on there to-do list is the steam slash xbox crossplay hmm. so because there's a lot of people that i know that i'll be able to play with you in particular yeah <laughs> um once that happens and also jim here um <clears throat> that like i said i don't want to burn out too quickly from the game right all i see in your chats are the pals are depressed they're broken <laughs> <laughs> well because that's the thing is is at your base as they work they they can get hurt they can get sick they can get depressed and honestly it happens too frequently um and good thing thank god for server settings yeah pretty much it's um the mortal coil shuffle them loose but um yeah it just happens way too often so thank god for server settings you can like tone it down and shit so but yeah, no, and also too, Final Fantasy is coming out in a couple of weeks, man. So I, I gotta, I gotta take the break so I can get in on Rebirth mm-hmm. because I am very hyped for that. They said it's gonna be like a hundred hours. Man, I don't know if I'll ever find a way to get into Final Fantasy, but may, maybe one day we'll see. Um, well, this, this one is a little bit less, more like fantasy esque, which you don't like, and it has like tech and stuff like that. So, and it's more action based combat than turn-based so it could be up your alley it could be probably won't be uh we're also joined by our depressed pal mr uh, james key hello i'm not depressed we had success we had a live intro for the first time look listen <laughs> yeah we did a little bit a little bit of internet research to solve a lot of problems all right um <clears throat> we're back to looking like we have money which we don't but and new music per- perception is everything right it sure is. And I hope you perceive us having a wonderful show today because I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Super Bowl 58. We're going to talk about Morgan Riley being suspended at least five games. The Toronto Raptors had a trade deadline to forget. And the WWE had a WrestleMania kickoff to remember. All of that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But first... Um, normally we talk about what happened on our weekend, but I feel like a lot of people's weekend was just about the Super Bowl and, uh, betting on said Super Bowl. But do you gentlemen have anything that came up in your life in the past week before we get to all the heavy sports topics? I, I just have one question and I got to ask the Starbucks master himself on of the course. lower part of my screen. How, how much Starbucks is too much in a day? Like I, I had one this morning. I had to run uh, my father out for an errand, and I stopped at Starbucks on the way home. And then I was out with my daughter for an errand this evening, and she was wanted a snack. So naturally, I grabbed the croissant from Starbucks because that's one of her favorite mm-hmm. snacks. And I was like, should I get a drink? But I already had one today, and I feel like that's excessive. So I have to defer. He's, the guy who orders a Trenta is nodding. Yeah, but I do it once a day. Or even then, it's like three times a week. It's not even. But if I had, yeah, if I had, uh, if I had two grandes though, would that equal your trenta? 
No, because I think also too, you have to, it depends on what you're qualifying as too much. Is it amount of visits or is it spend per visit? Is I think, it, well, no, health. I think overall health of what I'm I- ingesting. Oh, you should not go to it at all then. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> but if I had two grandes, would it be equal to a Trenta, you think? No. Less because or more? It would be less because Ooh. if you think about it, no, because the amount of ice that they put into it, that <laughs> when they fill the, fill the drink. excited I was? I was like, I'll just get two grandes every day. <laughs> no, like, it's a lot of sugar. And the drink yeah. we get, there's a yeah. shit ton of sugar and a fair yeah. amount of caffeine as well. Um. So I would say you probably shouldn't be doing or getting all that much. Um, but I have like, about I mean, a venti a week, if that. And I, I alternate I, between the strawberry acai lemonade with light lemonade or the peach green tea lemonade, which they fucking told me during the holidays they ran out of peach. Who runs out of peach? Starbucks. But they weren't even like. I mean, it's just syrup, isn't it? They, yeah, but they were like, we ran out of peach. Like, yeah, like, like but you got to remember when it's a specialty drink for time of year, they, um, you know, they run through that shit real quick. True, but I don't feel like that's a holiday drink. I feel like that's more of a summer one. But I digress. Either I way, always, and I, one day I tried to order it, and they're like, "Yeah, we got it." I'm like, what the fuck? Either way, I would say once a day is. Like if that's your routine, that's enough. I wouldn't go more than that, to be honest. Oh yeah, um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Afford, I'm not that rich. I couldn't afford once a day. <laughs> so you build up those stars pretty quick, and you could. Oh, you could probably. Uh, at one point, I had 1,500 stars. Yeah, I'm sitting at like just 2k right now, and I'm yeah. wondering if I should, you know, 10 free use drinks, it. sir. Well, I'm just wondering if I should use it to get like items because you can get you know, like the cool cups and shit. You know what makes me laugh? When you collect enough Starbucks stars and you have like 10 free drinks, I feel like that dude who had like the 12 free star, uh, Subway cards in his pocket, he's like, you know, I got you. And he just like hands you a free Subway card because he, he's been collecting for a while. Do you know, like, that's the thing is, is people are like, oh, it's a good deal. I got to finish this. Like, not really, because you're giving them more, more, business. more money to get one free thing. So like the yeah. cost trade off is not. Man, if I just if I just buy three more drinks, I get another one. Exactly. Right. So, but I mean, I don't know. I would suggest trying not to go a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, if, if if you're saying health wise, yeah. Then yeah, I, I was would just, say it was today. I was like that peach green tea lemonade was really good. I could stomach another one, but I passed. I didn't do it. So smart, man. There we go. Did you guys hear about or see? Any of the Taco Bell presents Lib Moss Live 2024? Yes, I did. My friend sent it to me, um, and she was like, "Can you believe what they're doing? They're putting a giant cheese it in a Crunchwrap Supreme." So, for the uninitiated, Taco Bell, for reasons I am unsure of, decided to do like a presentation as if they're launching a new iPhone, like they had a live audience and a big video board and like a DJ and a host. And they're like, now here's our executive of whatever. And some guy comes out and he gives like a keynote speech and he's like, all right, so check out the video board. You're really going to love this surprise. And they roll like a B roll of their next menu item. And then it's like, Oh, we got one more thing. And like, it's just, it looked like a video game press conference. It was pretty fucking crazy. 
But you go, you got to give it to them though, because McDonald's is not doing that. More nope. companies should do well, that. I wish Starbucks that isn't doing McRib. Right, Star- Starbucks isn't doing it. Um, right. No one else is doing that. And to be honest, if there was ever going to be a fast food chain to do it, Taco Bell would be the one. No, like if you were, to... no, I feel like Taco Bell by far, just because they're like it's the they're innovation. like the shit. They're the shitty little brother of all like oh, the. I thought it was gonna say it's the innovation. Like they're not afraid to try new things. Well, did you see the Baja Blast uh, pie? No, it's like it looks it's, like a key lime pie. It looks like key lime pie, but it's Baja Blast. Dude, yeah. I was at the Taco Bell once at the mall, and I this late, older lady was in front of me, and I don't know what she ordered, but she ordered something from Taco Bell, and I was like, I wonder if this lady's gonna get the Baja Blast because she ordered from Taco Bell. She had to be at least like fifty eight. She totally got Baja Blast. And I was like, no. It's not even that good, though. It's not. You just have to have it with Taco Bell. Baja Blast is awesome. Don't be disrespecting Baja Blast. Mm -mm. Baja Blast is overrated as fuck. Code Red is Mountain Dew. Code Red is is the best Mountain Dew, followed by regular Mountain Dew. Then followed by, there was the white one that was like the white freezy flavored Mountain Dew, which was awesome. That was pretty good. Baja Blast is like said, second to last. Remember when they said Mountain Dew stunted your sperm count? Yeah, that was like, do you remember that rumor all through high school where guys were like, oh, you're going to fucking not have kids, you no sperm. And I'd be like, jo- in high school, you think, them. yeah. The reason you're not going to have kids is because you're a fucking nerd playing video games in your basement. And that's yeah. what happened. And you just sat there and drank Mountain Dew. Eating frozen dinners and <laughs> microwaving your nuts, essentially. <laughs> Hungry man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was one after another. They're like, I really like the Salisbury steak, but sometimes I go for the chicken fingers. <laughs> okay, hold on. So I agree with all of what you're saying about the, or all of which you are putting upon these frozen meals. Because I don't know if there's ever been a time, and it's been a, a very rare occurrence where I'll ever eat one of these things. And I don't think I've eaten one in a very long time. These frozen meals from the grocery store. Oh, I used to dummy the shit out of them. Now... <laughs> Obviously, it was like they look a menu at a restaurant. What will I have today? You're just like flipping through. <laughs> it's like a catalog. Just yeah. Pull them all out of the freezer. <laughs> right? It's, like a, it's on a rack. It's a Rolex of <laughs> frozen dinners. Oh. You it's like a filing cabinet that you open yeah. up out of your freezer. You're using you're using the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System from the library, right? Person. It's like a, you gotta go find it in your fucking basement. <laughs> Yeah, you pull out the Rolodex to see where it is in your freezer. Then you pull that tray out, and that's what you're rolling with. But so yeah. we've all had one of these at some point in our lives. And obviously, it is to be expected that it's going to look nowhere near as good as the actual picture on the front of the packaging. I think that's accepted. The picture makes you think you're going to Jacob's Steakhouse, and you're eating from there. I don't know there. if I go that. Maybe Kelsey's. I don't know if I go Jacob's Steakhouse. Possibly a Turtle Jack's. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue, hey man, don't be disrespecting Turtle Jacks. In any event, I feel like this whole new business model that has come up of the delivered direct to consumers homes, the Hello Fresh and the whatever the other fucking options Fact, there are. Now. Like Factor. And- yeah. Factor meals and all this shit. They dominate the podcast advertising space. So I feel like I just see it a lot. But have it's you like, is this a reach to try and get sponsored by them? No, it's not. No, what, I'm, what, 
<laughs> we'll, take, we'll take those guys. <laughs> I love your Salisbury steak. Um, I'm just curious. Have you guys ever had one of those? Because yes. to me, in my head, I'm thinking this is just fucking Hungry Man sent to me rather than me going to Walmart and buying a no. Hungry Man. So HelloFresh, you got to cook, dude. Yeah. So I, Not HelloFresh. Maybe Factor is more what I'm thinking of. Then. Okay. So we... So when my wife and me first started really committing to working out, we had our food delivered. It wasn't like HelloFresh or Factor. It was a local company here that did it. And essentially they made all the meals, delivered it to us every Sunday and Thursday or Sunday and Wednesday. Um, And it was just pre-made and you just either heat it up or you just pull it out of the fridge and eat it like that, depending on what kind of food you're eating. So yeah, we've done it. Um, I would say that the difference is, is with the frozen dinners, a shit ton of preservatives and sodium in that to preserve it. Um, and not necessarily the healthiest shit like factor and what we used, um, fit meals and things like that. It was, it's one fresher and two gen generally prepared more conscientiously than on mass. Yeah, like the HelloFresh meals, they were actually really good. Like they are good. You get a different menu, and when you and they give you all the steps, and you follow them, and and you feel like fucking Gordon Ramsay by the end of it. But it's like they, it's the the simplest form of gourmet because it's not they're usually not really complicated. But as you're doing them, you like I always found while I'm doing them, I'm going, why didn't I ever think about doing this? Why did I ever not think of lemon zest? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's like it just seems like so simple, but I would never have thought to like put lemon zest in my mayo with some chipotle or whatever, and I, and all of a sudden it's this fucking gourmet sauce, and it's two ingredients, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I always I I like them, but at the same time, you know, flip side of said coin, one cannot deny that sometimes you just need a fucking hungry man, or or a Swanson, or whatever it is. Remember Swanson or Stouffer's? Those ones you can't deny. You, some, you sometimes you just need the cranberry, or that, the yeah. or the or the that brownie. brownie that brownie. shit brownie that like burn the roof of your mouth. Yeah. You go and there first. Was, you know yeah. not to go there first, but you do, and you lose a layer. Or of skin Go there first because it burns your tongue, and you don't really <laughs> taste how bad the rest of the actual <laughs> meal is. Yeah, but okay. So <clears throat> yes, done like the pre prep meals. I've done HelloFresh. And shit like that. But Jim's right. There's very few things. The frozen meal is not a meal. It's a snack. It's, Let's be I honest. I thought you were say, there are very few things in life that come as close to hitting the spot as a frozen dinner. No. Like, you get those, and you get those to be, like, an accoutrement to your regular dinner. Or, I don't know. you know, it's, it's 10 I o'clock at night. High. No, it's 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, you've already had dinner, but you're hungrier than just like a normal snack, but not hungry enough to have a full meal. Those are what those are for. Remember there you know what I, TV dinners because you would just eat them in front of the TV. That was the point. Yeah. But I don't know if you ever had these. I used to absolutely hammer. President's Choice used to make these things. They don't make them anymore. They were called lasagna pies. And they Dude, were essentially oh. like a little um, crusted bowl about like a big like almost like a scottish meat pie yeah but it was lasagna inside not so good 
not it was oh my god my dad used to get them and that used to be my pregame like hockey like snack yeah, yeah, I'm also googling it right now, but I do not see a picture, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I've ever had this oh, before. I don't. I think I found a picture of it. And I guess let's go to Google Images and see if there's like someone who posted like an old picture of one. But I don't see anything that's President's Choice. I mean, I see a President's Choice lasagna. Yeah, but I don't see the lasagna. No, the lasagna pie. pie they, there was four in a box. Yeah, they were individually sent- like wrapped. Yeah, and they were just frozen. You put them in the microwave for all of like. I would say four minutes, two, three minutes. If I find a picture of it, I'll send it to you. But they were, they were legit. They were so good. And it, like I said, it was the best thing to eat before hockey because you got your carbs and shit like that. And you got your, um, what's it called? Uh, like the pasta and everything like that. And, but it wasn't like massive where it weighed you down. No, imagine like a little mini fucking. Like a mincemeat uh, pie, like or personal mincemeat pie, but lasagna inside instead of like. Like, yeah, you know, like the Scottish ones or the Scotch ones? All I do know is that there is no I in team. But there is an I in meat pie. But there is a me. That's a terrible anagram. A team. Anyways. So, yeah. That's a Shaun of the Dead reference for those of you who remember Shaun of the Dead. I I watched it once and I was like, okay. But, um, and I know actually now your treasure is probably going to fucking text me after hearing that and be really upset. Because I guarantee you, fucking love that movie. That's a fucking great movie. <laughs> it's a really good movie. <laughs> but the lasagna pie also too didn't have a top. So it was just like the bowl part. Yeah. And then open. And then talk about burning the roof of your mouth. Oh, yeah. Hot. Hot. But so good. Hot. Anyway. Well, of course, uh, PC is President's Choice, which is exclusive to Loblaws. And... <laughs> Roblaws? Those <laughs> shirts, those shirts are so good. <laughs> no, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear. I about haven't this? heard the term Rob Laws yet, but that's good. So it's on a T-shirt, and a guy made a T-shirt saying Rob Laws, where it had like the logo, but like on the far end was like instead of the little orange and yellow rainbow thing, it was like a curved gun, and it said Rob Laws on it. <laughs> and he was selling them, and then apparently Rob Laws is like trying to sue him. Of but course. Here's the thing: they're dumb as fuck because if they just let the shirt go and whatever didn't draw attention to it. It's nothing. Now that they're doing this, everyone wants them and wants to wear them. And they're I turning this now the shirt into like a martyr, but it's hilarious. I'm looking. Well, for the reason why I brought that up because another uh, corporation that we hate is bell media. And I know I haven't uh, spoken poorly about bell media in a while. I used to do it almost on a weekly basis on the show. But for those, those of you who don't know, Bell Media uh, regularly, I shouldn't say regularly, at least recently, took a bunch of money from the government to subsidize some of their communications businesses, radios, radio stations and television stations. And just last week, they decided to lay off 4,800 people and mm-hmm. sell off a bunch of local radio stations. It's like, well, what the fuck did you give, got the money for? Like, that was the purpose of the money. Show me the money. Where's the where did the money go? And then you look at how much money Bell Media made last year, and it was three over three billion dollars. And like, well, I don't know if like shuttering these radio stations is like, like, are you going to go from a three billion dollar company a year to three point one billion now? Like, what? I don't understand. So, it, 
I, I, I hear you. And I know the big issue too a lot with that is the amount of money they took from government relief during the peak of COVID. So they're like, you're talking about record profits, but laying off all these people, but you're taking government subsidies to, yeah, <clears throat> that's a big thing. I'm also too on the other side as well, because, you know, especially after a few weeks ago, because we talked about this outside of the podcast, you know, collectively, you know, that Microsoft just recently laid off like 2000 people once the merger closed for Activision Blizzard. And, you know, there's people freaking out saying, oh, multi-billion dollar company, how can you do this? I understand like, yeah, you don't want people to lose their jobs, but at the same time, and I'm not saying the bell thing is this, but some of it could be is you can't just employ people for the sake of being like, well, three people are doing the same job at 50% capacity each. Why are we employing three people to do? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, I I get it. It doesn't make sense. No, I get from, so from the Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, merger that was a different thing where it was there are synergies here and we probably don't need three people doing the same job right whereas bell media is oh we bought these things and then we stripped them of all their local flavor and Mm -hmm. made them this homogenous corporate radio station and now all of a sudden people stop listening to those radio stations and now they're saying oh it's not worth anything anymore we're going to get rid of them it's like well Maybe if you didn't fuck it up in the first place, if you didn't ruin the radio yeah. station in the first place, it sure. would have still been a profitable business. So it's, it's entirely a self-inflicted wound. They bought these things. They didn't know how to run them. They fucked them all up. And now they're saying they're not making any money. It's like, no, a local radio station is important to small communities. Yes. It is where they get their news. It is where they have fundraisers for the local hockey rink it is where they have local businesses advertised to its local customers like i get that there are a a number of people who don't listen to radio anymore i mean that's effectively why this show exists because there is no sports radio in the city anymore (laughs) like it doesn't exist anymore so i understand there are changing consumers but in certain small markets a small market radio station that is run by a small market radio station, like that still is a viable thing. It's just, no, I mean, for they sure don't know how is. to run it. Say, I think- say what you want about, like I thought Justin Trudeau actually put it pretty well. Um, and say what you want about him. You can like, whatever the fuck. Um, a guy arguing for more media, like media is easier to control if you have it streamlined into one like conglomerate. Like he's actively saying you need more regional media so that like journalism actually takes place. Right. Like if if it's, if it's coming from one voice, then it's not journalism. And that's something that I do agree with. Right. It's it's corporate agenda at that point. Right. Which is wild because like the people that say they're supporting quote unquote truth are the ones who support big corporate shit like this. And, you know, and that's where this is different. I think there's a lot of region, like you said, Dustin, there's a lot of regional nuances that come with stuff like this. And I think it's important, you know, you know, as bell being a media company, there's a certain level of responsibility to people to provide that level of information, uh, having national programming for everything. Like you said, this kind of like homogenous blob of, you know, one kind of set of programming voices is not, not it. Here's an example. 
Dustin, you may not remember this because you were probably through your whole life throughout the city, right? The new VR. Oh, I remember the new VR just because I used to watch Monday Night Raw on the new VR. But yes, okay, that so, was the local Barry station, at least for me. Right, exactly. So that was like our regional local news for where Jim and me went to high school in the Kawarthas because that covered Barry and Aurelia and the Kawarthas and shit like that. So we would get our local televised, you know, stories through that. Um, I just think that what Bell should have done, understanding the mistake they made, is then make a subsidiary kind of company and keep them under that, but reduce the operating cost to say like, look, we clearly aren't, it didn't work, but instead of just axing everything, create like a sub company, subsidiary kind of media regional company that kind that runs all these regional type of radios or television networks or whatever it be. And then say like, we're going to operate it under a lower cost because that's what it would have to dictate. Like, let's be honest, you can't give them Toronto level funding for something like Penetanguishene, right? Right. So I, I think that would have been a smart business move. Um, and then you can grow it more of a <clears throat> kind of like a mom and pop type, I guess, media entity that's still part of Bell, but separate. The funny you know thing what I mean? is like, yeah, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't though, because like to, for in order for that stuff to, to survive, I imagine that government funding generally is, is what helps keep those things alive. But then you get people going, Ugh, the government funds it. They can... <laughs> If they control the narrative, like, well, okay, like, what do you want? Like, are you going to fund it? You know, like, I don't, you know I mean? Like, the CBC exists solely on the back of the fucking government. Um, you know, if it wasn't there, like, and I, CBC, I think, still has regional stuff. So. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not fully up on the ins and outs and the nuances of media funding in this country, both private and public. So it's the day, hard. Them, right? That's what we're saying. Fuck them. Yeah. I just yep. think I just think that there's a better way that they could have probably gone about it. You know, um, to say, like I said, I, I just think I would have set it up more of like a subsidiary, lower funding. Maybe they do more kind of individual fundraising for said subsidiary and maybe pour some corporate money into it to say, we're going to help you get on your feet. But then, do you know what I mean? Like, there's things you could have done. Yeah, they could have just ran the radio stations like they've been run for the past 100 years. They could just, like, you don't need a big budget to run a radio station. Like, you sell advertisements. The advertising paid for the radio station. That's literally how the business model works. That's it. And that's how it's always been. Um, but clearly, they don't have the right leadership to make that happen. And... That seems like a across-the-board problem with Bell Media. Because if you look at the Super Bowl, that, listen, for our American listeners who are listening to this show, you don't understand the trials and tribulations that we have to fucking deal with watching the Super Bowl on CTV television. Getting it Coming is, back into plays 30 seconds into them already starting. <laughs> it's the dirt worst. So when everyone talks about, oh, this Super Bowl commercial, 
and this Super Bowl commercial. We don't see half of them. Not because me, I watched okay. it on IPTV. CBS New York. Arr. Arr. Actually, it's be I, I quick digression. You know, um, because I think this is kind of topical when it comes to like media and consumption, because I know Crunchyroll is kind of going through it. And I think Disney is as well in HBO, where if you bought something, say through Amazon Prime Video or HBO Max or Disney Plus, that you technically don't own it, that when they pull it and say, okay, we're no longer going to offer it, you're technically don't have it anymore. Like you can't access it, right? Because it's not Sony with National Geographic content. There you go. So Crunchyroll is now going through it as well because, you know, Funimation and Crunchyroll, the anime platforms for anime are merging um, and it's happening with them. So a lot of people are pissed off. And I was reading about it and someone made a good point. They're like, okay, we bought it, but you're saying we technically don't own it in the rights. They're like, so if purchasing is no longer ownership, then pirating is no longer stealing. And I was like, it's kind of a good point. I mean, sure. But I think the difference is that it, it explicitly tells you that you're licensing this content for, you know, however long, right? So it doesn't tell you like a time frame. And I guess that's how they get around it, right? Like you're licensing this content. You're not buying it. Um, but yeah, so I know a lot of people were fortunate enough to pirate the Super Bowl. And we're probably gonna have to do stuff like this more often, especially with, you know, this merger, or not necessarily a merger, but this joint venture between ESPN and Fox and oh yeah, um, Warner Brothers Discovery. And they're gonna charge a shit ton of money for that streaming service. Now, obviously it's not in Canada, but the point is we're getting to a point now where streaming services have become um, cost prohibitive in a lot of ways. And you're gonna have to start canceling and picking and choosing and just saying, fuck it and find it another way. But the Super Bowl happened to take place on CTV in Canada, <laughs> which means we didn't get to see most of the commercials that people were talking about. It also means that we had to say, see the same fucking Crave commercial and the same fucking Bell commercial over and over and over again all goddamn night. Tracker. And, you know what that tell, and you know what that tells me? As someone who had a fucking cup of coffee in the radio industry, okay? I'm not saying I'm an expert in this goddamn thing. But what I know is that any time that the station had to play extended station IDs or they had to play some sort of imaging piece that was talking about programming about on a later time slot, it's because the sales team couldn't fucking sell the ad. And I'm not saying the sales team sucks at Bell Media. I'm saying maybe this laid them all off, right? And they, they just don't have the capacity to do this anymore. But it just... It's the perfect example to me to illustrate how backwards of a fucking company this is when we're talking about the American commercials during the Super Bowl costing X amount of millions of dollars per 30 second spot and the Canadian version can't sell a goddamn one of them. Huh. Or even half Interesting. price. Like, or a third you know? price, right? Seems like someone at Bell Media is fucked up. But nevertheless, we'll move, we'll move on. And we should move on to that actual football game that happened on... It was CBS in the United States, I believe? Yeah, CBS. Jim Let's Nance and Tony Romo. Yeah, we'll, we'll move off Bell Media. Let's give them no more publicity. It's uh, as little as publicity. So we'll as give it to CBS. <laughs> well, yeah, let's go to CBS. Um, in any event. The what Bell I will say, obviously, last week 
we talked about props going into this game. Off the top of your head, did you guys make any money over the Super Bowl? Oh yeah. So James saying no. I think I, I I think I came ahead like ten bucks ahead. So I didn't make a lot of money. Maddie, how much did you make? Like seventy five. Okay, that's fine. I invested. I invested twenty five, and I I sent you guys some of my more. I think stretch tickets, like the ones where ambitious ambitious yes to say to to put it that way i sent some of my ambitious things but some of my more realistic ones um i like two or three of them that i won out on where it was like two three leg parlays where i won like 20 on one and like 30 on another so stuff that was much easier i definitely hammered the under on that anthem though and that oh, yeah. came in oh reba was quick and clean it was like 78 seconds and the line i think the last week was like 85 seconds and then it went up to like 92 and I think they were saying on average, her anthem lengths are like 73.5 seconds. Hmm. So I don't know why it changed. Maybe someone during rehearsals or some shit kind of got out there, but I hammered that under and made 10 bucks there. So I made some money and it, and not a lot of money, but if you're a listener of this show and you are diligent on listening to a, our thoughts, not necessarily our thoughts, just like when we were talking about the lines and the odds, if you're paying attention and then you checked again Sunday morning, you would have made money because what I did, I recalled our conversation about the Gatorade and I remember us talking about the Gatorade and me saying, do you know what's favorite right now? It's fucking orange. And I don't remember if it was like plus 340 or something like that for orange. And that was the favorite when we recorded last week's episode. And then I think after that was red and then blue and then, you know, other what you would expect. And it was probably like plus 360, plus 380, whatever, whatever. Then I checked Sunday morning and all of a sudden purple. Purple was like plus 120. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, where did purple saw. come from? Someone uh-huh. knew. The smart money came in on Sunday morning on purple because purple was barely even on the list when we talked about it last week. Wasn't it like and plus now, 800? on the list or some shit yeah so like it was if it was on the list it would have been near the bottom of possible outcomes and then sunday morning all of a sudden purple is plus 125 so i threw five bucks on that and i made a cool dollar 25 so i was happy with that (laughs) (laughs) so if i had more conviction in my bet yeah i could have made a ton of money on that one but just goes to show some of these bets these prop bets people know like they know what it's going to be and I bet all the water boys got together and said, hey, we're going to do purple, all right? So they all gave each other the Iggy, and then they all threw like thousands of dollars on the fact that it's purple, and then the line shifts. So you just got to be aware of the line shifting, you know? Fun fact about purple Gatorade, one of my favorite flavor- flavors, but for some reason, gives me the shits. That doesn't I, make any sense. It doesn't, and I don't get it because... It's I don't know if it's something in the flavoring, like the artificial flavoring or the dye. Like the kids or, with the red dye. Yeah. Where they just go crazy. He just gets the shits on purple. Yeah. Gatorade. Purple purple Gatorade gives me the shits. It's weird. I just assume purple Gatorade comes from Oompa Loompas. You know, <laughs> wouldn't, like, that be, wouldn't that be orange? Are they purple? Fuck, they are orange. Well, they're aren't they? most definitely orange. <laughs> orange. Yeah. Bruh. Huh. You need to go back Jeez. and watch this movie. Yeah, I just go back and watch that movie. Speaking of, I watched Wonka on Friday. Oh yeah, it, it was enjoyable. Like you said, like it's not 
anything to write home about the tag ups to the original were kind of cool like you hear little tinges of the music a little bit and then he finally gets into the song at the end but i mean if you just went in there and be like i just want to watch a movie it's enjoyable i would agree this week though i felt about the super bowl (laughs) yeah well i mean okay so (laughs) in terms of movies this week is madam webb so i'm I'm very interested to see that one i'm sure because of sydney sweeney that is a very high reason as to why I'm interested in uh, that. Dustin's maybe what top three celebrity crush right now? Get some help. I wouldn't even say like if I had to like make a list of celebrities that I'm uh, swooning, swooning, swoons. <laughs> That's not the word I was looking for, but okay, we'll go with that. Swooning over. I wouldn't even say she's like top five. Like not really. Even. No, because you've mentioned her a few times. So the reason why because she's fucking everywhere now. She's like she's in that like rom com right now. It's still in theaters for some unknown reason. Glenn then, Powell though is he's the man. I, I'm a big Glenn Powell fan. And then she was on Hot Ones recently, and then she had like that that meme going around of her like looking up at something. You just Photoshop something else in there. So she's been all over the internet for that. Euphoria was obviously big, and then now she's in Madam Web. So like I feel like she's gonna be in two movies in the theater at the same time. Like that's that's like. Uh, I don't know, Pedro Pascal level of relevancy, right? No. But Mr. Irrelevant was playing in the Super Bowl, which we were told over and over again during pregame. And look, I gave I gave the guy shit all year. I was like, I don't believe this Brock Purdy fucking guy. And you know what? He was the third best quarterback in this game. <laughs> yeah, Jennings. It was Mahomes Jennings. <laughs> that fucking Jawan Jennings. Okay. Listen, hundred percent fine. <laughs> he did play fine though. Yeah, it's fine when all you have to do is throw a quick screener, check down to Christian McCaffrey, and he rushes for seventy yards and catches like a hundred receiving. Nah, man. So he, he scrambled. Like, he was under a lot of pressure from that Kansas City defense. He made a lot of plays on the run. He didn't. Dude, it's his second year. He didn't turn the ball over in the Super Bowl. That's huge. You know what I mean? Against the second best defense in the NFL, uh, according to rankings. So, like, give give the guy credit. I mean, listen, I don't think he can get by. Like I said, I was listening to – we were talking off off uh, recording. I was listening to Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp this morning, and they made a good point. He can't get by on being Mr. Irrelevant anymore. That's the thing. Like, he's going to be judged – on a different scale, Brock Purdy is. No, nobody's gonna say, "Oh, last pick, Larry." Nobody's gonna like. He's he's in a different. He's in a different stratosphere of quarterback now. The expectations have changed, so I don't think you. I, I don't think you can get by saying, "Oh, like last pick guy." Look at him. Like never would have thought. Like that. I think that ship has sailed. I don't know. I don't think it has. No, because I really? still think he's. I, because I still think he's inexperienced in the league as a whole, right? He's still a, 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 at most a second-year quarterback if you look at how many games he's played, right? So I still think he gets the benefit of the doubt to a certain degree until you mature as a starting quarterback in the league. I get it. He went to the Super Bowl. But I think we have established over the past couple of weeks on this show that he's, like, of all the teams in the playoffs, he's probably the worst one. Like, I, and I mean, and by worst one, I mean, if you had to pick between all those quarterbacks on exactly this team, 
if you took the San Francisco 49ers and said, would you rather have Brock Purdy or Lamar Jackson? You're fucking taking Lamar Jackson. Would you rather have yeah, Brock sure. Purdy? But or, Brock Purdy so played in Kansas City defense better than Lamar Jackson did. Uh, probably. But, uh, but huh. yeah, anyways. All, <laughs> I'm trying to say but all, all I'm saying is like now, now you can have that conversation. And the expectation is that there's a conversation to be had. I think before you were like, well, this guy's this guy's getting by on his new guy card, right? You know what I mean? Like when you start a job, and you're like, well, I'm still new here. I don't I don't know what's going on. Like I think he, I think he got by on a little bit of that for a while. I think going into next year, you can't. Like he's going to be mentioned in the same level I think as the the Goffs, the Staffords. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that's where he kind of sits. I still, I still think the Niners, if they have an opportunity to upgrade a quarterback, they do it. Like if the Niners have an opportunity to get someone even slightly better than him, they do it because that's two Super Bowls in what three years that they've lost. Yeah, but it wasn't Purdy in the other one. And to be I honest, mean, they they didn't lose because of Purdy, fucking blocked punt or blocked extra point, and the defense didn't get a stop on fourth down in, in the overtime and apparently Kyle Shanahan doesn't know the rules to overtime. Well, Kyle Shanahan also doesn't know how to defend a blitz in overtime either. <clears throat> right, that's what I mean. Like, you know, so, but had they got that stop on fourth and whatever, what was it? Fourth and was it fourth and one? It was fourth and one. Yeah. It's fourth and one. The but, game's over. Well, yeah. had, had his defense but, not looked to the right side of the field while McCole Hardman was, basically going backwards into the end zone. But it's the uh, same play that Andy Reid ran last year to win the Super Bowl. That's the thing is there, you can make all these if they did this, if they did this, but it's that's literally all sports when it comes to winners yeah. and losers is if they did this or if they did that. The thing is, is <clears throat> if this is the third or the second Super Bowl in three years and then because the Niners lost in the championship game last year, yeah, but they didn't have it. Who was, was Sam Darnold playing quarterback? Well, it's when Purdy came in because everyone got no, hurt. No, Purdy got hurt last year in the playoffs. He came in at the beginning of the season because everyone went down. Then he got hurt. And then in 2019, it was Jimmy G. Was it Jimmy G lost the Super Bowl in 2019? Either way, the coaching the, <laughs> it's that- evident that the coaching staff isn't – capable of getting the t- this that team over the hump yeah i mean there's how there's 28 other teams that that aren't there i mean that we get a, we're gonna look at at baltimore say the same thing right like yeah i don't i don't know, I don't know if i want to blame the coaching staff on this because like i mean you well, i do i do in, the, in some in some but, levels i definitely do but what, what i know but what i'm saying is you're in overtime in the super bowl you had a lead in overtime of the Super Bowl. Like they are one play away from winning the Super Bowl. So I think you also have to keep that into consideration before you say, well, fuck all these guys, get them all out of here. It's like, wait, hold on. Like there's, there's something to keep here. There's definitely uh, assets to this team. Also, I don't think it's there are plays that Patrick Mahomes made that were inhuman at the end of that game. Like plays that a normal quarterback would throw out of bounds or check down to, somebody just over the line of scrimmage, this man's running for 12, 15 yards. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that, that fourth and one play, though, I think everyone knew he was running that ball. Except you know, for the 49ers. Niners, and that's the problem is 
I mean, how many, how much video, especially on the Chiefs, with how much they've been there over the past four or five years, you know what they're, you should have no mystery to what that team's doing in certain instances. Right. But I, I, I compare it to the Philadelphia Eagles of, hey, it's, it's fourth and short at the goal line. They're lining up for a tush push. Like we know it's coming. They're going to yeah, succeed. And I think, I think <laughs> like, also, it's going Andy to Reed, be converted. Andy Reid deserves so much credit in terms of how creative he is with, with some of his play calling. And like there was a there was a play where he had his receiver stacked, and I forget which. And then they all just kind of went like this, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening with these guys?" And I'm sure the defense was like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" And it was it was a pretty sweet play. Um, he's just a really good offensive play caller. Um, Remember when they know. said he couldn't get it done when he was in Philadelphia, and he'll be the best coach to never win a Super Bowl, goes to KC and wins three. Right? They had Donovan <clears throat> McNabb too. So, mm-hmm. and McNabb was no slouch. Um, that guy was a beast. That guy was huge. Um, I mean, those Eagles teams had a lot of great players. Terrell, <laughs> Terrell Owens, Owens at one point. Yeah. 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 Shady McCoy. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think. Again, they, they put it good on the ESPN this morning. I don't think the 49ers lost that game. Mahomes just won it. No, who said that? Bill Cowher said that in the postgame. He's like, the 49ers didn't lose. Mahomes won. And I think that's a really good assessment of what happened. Uh, the game was boring as fuck until the last seven minutes and, and into overtime. <clears throat> and yeah, for sure. Mahomes started playing, you know, the, and, and that's the difference between guys who have been there before. I think is, is you saw them just kind of be like, like even Travis Kelsey had one reception for one yard in the first half. And then he just, he was a beast. That play where he basically destroyed the shoulder of what's his name? Um, Oh yeah. Just ran over the, (laughs) um, was it the DB there? Yeah. And he almost had the touchdown on the final drive. Like if he he did, I would have made some money. That would have been very nice. I know. I would have made a lot. But he wouldn't be denied. And you could just, you see, you would see that in them. Like, Mahomes calm as a cucumber. No, like he was just chill the entire time. Like I, I'd be shitting my fucking pants. And the, like fourth and one and shit. No way, man. Overtime. Now, what did you think about Usher? It was oh. okay. Thank God for Ludacris. Yeah, it was. It was the most. It feels like thrown together halftime show you could think of. Do you know like what I mean? So like that's bread. Yeah, it was just like okay. I mean, cool. The halftime show you're entertained for all five ten minutes, and entertained being like it's better than watching commercials. Not necessarily Super Bowl commercials, just general everyday commercials. Crave well, ads. It's better than watching. Better, yeah, Bowl. better than Canadian Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> yeah. That's also, true. how you go be Swiss Beats and let your wife get up there and be groped by Usher. If I if I was that man, and Alicia Keys is getting groped, I I punch that dude off the stage for sure. Nah, just saying. But I think you, it was the most mid halftime show. What? If you were if you were married to Alicia Keys, you lost your groper. I can't really say anything about it because I don't know what like. We don't know the relationship between yeah, because the maybe they're like best friends and Swiss Beats knows that and shit like that. Like, how do we know? Right? Maybe they're in some weird, like, sex cult together. <laughs> a throuple. And, yeah. You know, maybe they're like Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, and then <laughs> Krakoa-era X-Men. Right? But 
it's the most mid fucking halftime show ever. I still maintain Prince is undefeated of like the modern generation halftime shows. Um, his has been the best that's probably been in the last like 25 years, I think. Um, I just, the thing is, is it's the halftime shows all for current gen, like previous generation, right? Because Usher was for all of us who were, you know, in our teens and early twenties. And then when Paul McCartney was there, that's when we were younger, but that was for like our parents when they were, you know, in their twenties and thirties. And then it's always for like their generation late when it comes to their talent. Well, that's the point though. So that's what's like the halftime show isn't for us, right? Like we're there to it's watch for the, the wise so that people can get together right. and make a business out of it. And we are all in our mid to late thirties and you know, if you're sitting there with your significant other, your wife, your partner, whatever the fuck, and they don't, how should I say this? Statistically speaking, they don't care about football. Statistically speaking. So statistically, the people who don't care about football are there to watch the commercials and there to watch the halftime show. And they are trying to find artists who cater to that audience. So for us, Watching Usher, we don't give a fuck about Usher. Like, sure? like whatever, man. But I guarantee you, there's plenty of women who enjoyed the Usher performance, and I think Alicia Keys saved it. And then when he started seeing more cameos of Little John and um, Ludacris out of nowhere, I think that's when everyone got back on board when Luda showed up. Like, all right, that hair is awesome. A part of our Fast and Furious Dude, family. I love Ludacris. Like I've always kind of been a fan of like his work. I've always found that that it was kind of last great era of hip hop. But man, like he looked old, and I felt so bad. I was like, "No, don't take Ludacris from us." Like that's <laughs> that's what I was feeling watching that because like hip hop is fucking terrible now compared to previous generations, and I feel like his era was the last great generation of hip hop. So. It was cool to see him come out, though. I don't necessarily even care about Luda's music. I'm just, I'm a Tej guy from Fast and Furious. So, <laughs> well, did you see that thing about Christopher Nolan where Stephen Colbert asked him, you know, I heard that your one of your biggest guilty pleasures is the Fast and the Furious movies, and he said, "Oh, I have no guilt about it." And he's like, "They're my favorite movies, and I watch them all the time." They're great, right? Look, it's one of those things that's like. Is this going to win an Oscar? Of course not. No. It's not going to be best film, but it's it's not supposed to. It's just it's just it's a stupid fun action movie. That's all. It do, is. do you think when the last Fast and Furious movie comes out and they do their big rap and whatever, they get nominated for some kind of Oscar just as like recognition no. for everything no. those movies have no. done? No not a chance. <laughs> no. I think Christopher but, Nolan directs one before they get an Oscar. <laughs> I really want him to do a Bond movie. That would he that would be so good, but um, back to the game. Well, um, no, actually, before we do that, speaking of uh, halftime and movies, I think the main thing that came out of that was Deadpool. Yes, oh, yeah, that the trailer. Deadpool, yeah, the Deadpool trailer dropping. No Twisters. And... <laughs> I mean, sure, Twisters was one of them too. Wicked, and Wicked was one of them too. Wicked, but I think for most of us, Deadpool was the big one. Yeah, I, I wish that 
the Wolverine thing wasn't spoiled. And it had saved for the trailer? Yeah. I you know what though? I think yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I think it was part of Disney's buy into it. There's too much there's too much more coming with that film. Like Wolverine is the least spoiler yeah. thing that I think is good. You know, like we got and a pyro reference like a, yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like i think you're gonna be satiated trust me with, with oh i bet i know it's just just the way the trailer was cut though is like at the end the last shot on the trailer is deadpool like laying in the sand or wherever the fuck he is so it's the theory is that he's in like an end of the timeline type yeah. era yeah and, like but it's specifically it's specifically like the fox because if you look he's laying there and it's the 20th century fox sign yeah and if you actually expand the trailer out the comic that is laying on the ground next to him is secret wars 5 mm-hmm. which is x-men strike back yeah oh yeah can't yeah. wait but, but anyways um, like the last shot is him laying there in the void wherever he may be and there's a shadow figure that comes up to him and then you see the claws come out and that's the end of the trailer so it's like well, yeah, we knew that like Wolverine's in the fucking movie at this point. But anyways, my thing um, is like, I, 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 you can see, you can shit talk Disney all you want for how they've handled the back portion of, of this cinematic universe. Or post Infinity Saga, the action scenes that they've showed of Daredevil with the guns and he's like popping and loading the clip upside like it's you. It Disney does it so much better than Fox, and I think that these action scenes are going to be unreal. You mean Deadpool, not Daredevil? Yeah, you said Daredevil, but I think you meant Deadpool. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I meant Deadpool. Sorry. I think the action scenes but, in this are going to be unreal. But even then, I don't know if you got, I assume you guys are caught up on Echo. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was fight scenes right. in Echo. And they're incredible. That were so fucking cool. So, yeah, if we're leading more in that direction. The roller rink fight scene was amazing. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say is, is first thing I noticed watching the trailer for Deadpool, and I know we're going from sports into entertainment, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl. It's all encompassing. Yeah, it's- um, I know Deadpool. The first two movies were very kind of budgety, right? They were like, yeah, you can do this, but it's on a lower budget than they would have gotten for X Men or Fantastic Four or whatever. You really see the increased budget that he had with this just from the trailer alone. Like the filming looks cleaner. The, I guess the landscapes look grander. You know what I mean? Everything looks uh, like slightly more polished than it did with the 20th century Fox Deadpools. Um, I also think too, that there's a lot hinging on this movie for Disney. Like, I think this is, what a lot of people are saying is that this is going to revive and rejuvenate the superhero genre specifically for Marvel. It's going to do a lot to directly lead into secret wars, which I think again, the comic tease plus what it's all entailing is, is pretty evident. Um, But I think that they know how much is riding on the success of that movie. It's, it's such a cool concept for a movie because we have we don't really know what the plot of this movie is, except like we saw the TVA show up and I was like, holy fuck, mm-hmm. like that is cool oh. as shit. The plot and, is he's fucking with the timelines and they need him to fucking go and fix it. Or so it's Loki in a movie. Yeah. So him fucking with the timeline is him going back and killing himself, essentially. <laughs> like in other like he's gone back and killed another version of himself and assumed in, the like, role. 
Yeah. So he has you. I guess you what you could say, like the entire Loki series, where like the timeline started like splintering off. It you could draw it all back to Deadpool, or maybe it's like Bill and Ted, where he's going and assembling heroes from different timelines to help fight. Maybe that's the TVA is like we need you to go find like an army, and he's like it's just like basically like Bill and Ted, where he's just shoving everybody. Give me well, Chris think, Evans as Human Torch again, and I'm happy. That dude deserves I, his due for that. That's probably the premise of the next Avengers film. So, like, the next one that was Kang's Dynasty is no longer Kang's Dynasty anymore. I think the it's going to be a rescue movie of getting Loki out of the tree or whatever the fuck. And you'll have Deadpool assembling a crew of people to help in this matter. But then there's going to be people who are favoring Loki and say, no, you can't do that. And then that's when you have secret wars between Team Loki versus Team Deadpool or whatever. I, so. I, I, I think it's going to be that Doctor Doom is assembling villains through the timeline and something happens and Deadpool needs to assemble heroes to fight. So you're going to get a Red Skull return. You're going to get you know, another version or an evil version of Loki again. And you're going to get, you know, potentially another Thanos to come back. Like you're going to get some previous villains like an Ultron because there's words that James Spader has been tapped to come back for Secret War. Essentially, they said everyone who's ever been in a Marvel property ever is is like they're trying to get to come back for Secret Wars. So I think what you're going to do, what you're going to see is Doom either trying to take over or he's assembling like a villain team and... Deadpool has to do the same for heroes and then it's going to culminate. In- yeah. I think it's a waste. Like it's a waste of a bullet for Doom. It'll be the beyonder just cause it's, it's an easy explain away. And so either way, it's the doom bullet. Whomever it is, whether it's doom or whomever, I think we're all kind of on the same page here. That's going to be team, this team versus that team. I mean, yeah. that's essentially what secret wars is. Right. Yeah. But I never considered the villain thing, Maddie. I wonder if it'd be cooler if you started pairing them up with heroes. So like Deadpool is an anti-hero to begin with, but I guess a better example would be like, what if Red Skull was on the same team as Captain America? Like, yeah. That'd be you cool. know what I mean? So like you, the door is open. You have to, you're grabbing everybody from everywhere and different timeline versions of people. There's probably a fun way to like make a lot of these characters work together that wouldn't have before, you know, like mm-hmm. anyways, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at some point, probably in the near future, we're going to see some Deadpool merchandise up on nowyourtreasures.com or .ca because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. It's sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43 percent off any order all orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance you can view the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com that's n-o-w-y-o-u-r-t-r-e-a-s-u-r-e-s dot c-a or .com and remember go to now your treasures on instagram and send a dm 43.6 to receive 43 percent off any order with the super bowl behind us now we solely focus on hockey and we're still only a few weeks away, a few short weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting 
in Major League Baseball. So thank goodness uh, baseball is starting soon. But before we get to that, we have some hockey. And the Toronto Maple Leafs played their once bitter rival, the Ottawa Senators, over the weekend. And of course, the game was in Ottawa. And of course, the Maple Leafs are higher, significantly higher in the standings than the Ottawa Senators. So obviously, that means that the Maple Leafs are going to lose this game. And they sure enough, they did, as one would expect. But what did end up happening, uh, at least the the main point of conversation here, what did happen at the end of this game, empty net for the Maple Leafs trying to get back into the game and one Ridley Greer Greg slap Greg. shot. Is, Grieg. Grieg. Did I say Samsonite. Greer? Grieg. I was way off. So that's actually a perfect example of what I'm getting at here is some fucking guy that no one knows and no one cares about. I know he's a first round pick in 2020, but it was 2020. Like, I mean, no one remembers 2020. It was forever ago. <laughs> yeah. That was just like at the start of COVID. No one cares. He's played a career 58 games. All right. Riley Greek. Ridley Rid- Greek. Ridley. Adora <laughs> 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 Forrest, uh. Ophelactory, Marinations. Morgan Riley, after seeing the slap shot empty net goal from Ridley Greek, decides to take matters into his own hands and cross checks the motherfucker in the face. Now, should he have done that? Yes. Yeah, yes. of course. But <laughs> yes. no, absolutely. Yes, he should have. Should he have hit him in the face? Yeah, probably not. I know it was in the face, might have been the neck. Either way, it's still probably. Should he, like, I don't know, just grabbed him and threw his gloves down and punched him in the face? Maybe. Um, should he have just, you know, cross checked him in the liver or something? Maybe. I, I, I think what people are, the issue that people are having, and certainly the issue that George Peros has, has with this, which is fucking laughable to begin with. Oh but my god, it's so stupid. Why was the, George Peros in charge of player safety? Why does that make sense in any way? A fucking it's, goon. Anyways. That's the very reason. Also, um, he, I think he's like a Harvard educated dude. Like I think he went to like Yale or Harvard or some shit. Yeah, but he's, Ivy got League a, he's got a hate on for the Leafs, man. So I guess we can all argue of whether it was a little too much for Morgan Riley. I guess that's subjective. But I think it's objective, or at least the people on this show believe that you don't let someone do that. You don't let someone embarrass your team like that. And certainly not a guy who's played 58 fucking games in the league. Because there's plenty of times where a young guy comes into the league and does some, you know, junior hockey shit. And you have to check them and be like, yo, this is the pros now. We don't do that here. There's a code. There's uh, unwritten rules that we abide by here. And you have to be professional or we're going to fuck you up. And Morgan Riley stepped up to do that. That's kind of the way hockey has always been. That they're, And you guys can talk way more about this than I can. But... The fact that, and we don't know officially the punishment yet, because Morgan Riley has an in-person hearing with the NHL's disciplinary committee. Um, and Which in person, going to. And in-person means it's minimum five games. Well, no, it just means they can suspend for longer than five. It doesn't mean he's getting five or more. 
It just means that they have the allowable okay. to go above that. He could still only get three or four. Right. I So I guess what the issue is that coming up is that there are so many instances that I've seen posted today on Twitter and on X. Way worse. Jacob that, Truba, like as they said on Overdrive today, dude went to top golf on dude's head <laughs> and only got two games. Yeah, we've seen way worse stuff like that. Brendan Gallagher we've got seen, a fine. For we've seen guys, similar plays. Yes, a lot of similar. Where guys like to Wayne Simmons took a cross check right to the face. No call, no no suspension, no fine. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, that's fine then. So, I okay. Whether or not you think Morgan Riley was just is a different question. We'll get to that in a second. Whether or not you think it was too much is a different question. We'll get to that in a second. But the issue is, I don't know what is allowed and what's not allowed. I don't think the NHL has clearly defined this type of action requires a five-game suspension. This type of action is a 10-game suspension. This type of action is fine and is not suspendable because I feel like I've seen the exact same play be all three fucking things. So I don't know. fell into somebody and got six games. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's right? it's just a joke at this point. And I don't and so because it's a joke, I can't fault Morgan Riley in any way. Like there was a problem, you addressed it yourself, maybe excessive force, maybe not, but you don't know what the league's gonna fucking do. So Fuck, you, you just don't know have what to the do refs on the ice are gonna do half the time. No. You know what I mean? So what do you like what do you, you know, there's and I'll I'll say this. <clears throat> I can guarantee you. That the and if you heard Claude Giroux in the post game, you can tell that he, there were probably words with Greg in the in the dressing room about don't you ever fucking pull that shit again, you know. I, I would imagine the Senators, the leaders on that team, probably like especially guys like Giroux who've been around. Better fucking, and... yeah, you smarten up because that's dumb shit. Like that's play stupid games, win stupid prizes shit. That's peak fuck around and find out, right? And the funny thing for me is I, I 100% didn't expect this team to do it. Because you watch, you watch the team that played that game. They didn't get up to play the Senators. They didn't give a fuck about the Ottawa Senators. Well, I mean, I mean, you, do, you don't expect it. Riley does it. But where's everyone else? Like, right. why isn't everyone else jumping in at that point, too? Right. Well, and like, but they're, I mean, they're all in kind that of situation. Coaching. No, they did the same thing that happened. The other game, what game was it? Tavares on the bottom of the fucking dog pile. And these guys, they they hold the guy by the hand. They start skipping, listening to, you know. Let's play Red Rover. So happy together, right? Like the first Smash Brothers commercial. And I don't understand why they're not peeling guys off their captain as he's at the bottom of a dog pile. Like, again, I'll go back to, like, you can fucking call me old-fashioned all you want. The Kings play the Leafs. McSorley takes liberties with Gilmore. Clark destroyed like it like he's seeking destroy. It's game over. There's there's no question. And Clark was the captain. Gilmore wasn't the captain. But that's that's how you led, right? Like you you stood up for your team. You can't let people take liberties with your team. And Greg, that's in hockey behavior, Greg is taking liberties and basically calling you a bunch of fucking fuckwads. Right? And which is pretty funny coming from a team. Like, okay, Greg, that's your Stanley Cup, pal. Like, you're they're nowhere near the playoffs. So 
and and real tough of you to do on the last game that you played the Leafs, so that they don't have a response. But um, well, other guys in the Sheldon. league will take other guys in the league will take notice. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, shout out to Sheldon Key for putting Revo out there in the last five seconds, as he should. And also, and watching Brady Kachuk, watching Brady Kachuk freak out, being like, "No, no, 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 yeah. no!" He's screaming at the ref because he yeah. knows that one, Revo like, is going to destroy somebody. Exactly. Right? And uh, shout out to Sheldon Keefe again for saying that he thought Riley's response was appropriate. Because guess what? Enough's enough. It fucking is appropriate. And it's time this team learned that that is the type of response. Like, how many times do you see guys just trounce over Leaf goaltenders? Fucking, again, Marchand destroys Lilligren into the boards. And they're just like, uh, uh, who cares about a fucking five-game suspension? You know what's going to happen when those five games are done? They're not going to do it again. Because they're not going to want to get uh, graphite to the teeth. Right? Like, that's... And again, the refs aren't going to police Greeks doing a clapper from the from the hashies into an empty net. The refs aren't going to police that. Like, they're not going to... There was no world... There's no... There's no world that they give him an unsportsmanlike. No. But I think, like... Here's the thing. One, Riley's going to get hit with the leaf tax because they're going to want to make an example of them to be like the biggest team in the league, the biggest market. We're going to make an example of you, whether it's right or wrong. That's what they're going to do. The issue isn't so much with what Riley did. I mean, cross check to the face. Do I agree with it? Yes. Is it a little overboard? Probably. I mean, you, if he were to hit him like blindside, hit him and then jump on him and start feeding him, there's going to be no suspension. They're going to make a hockey. It's part of the game, right? It's because the the rule, not the rule, but one of the unspoken things, you don't use your stick as a weapon. All the, I think the issue really is, is the inconsistency, regardless of what their reasoning is and their stupid fucking explore, explanatory videos of Department of Player Safety. No one knows what the fuck's going to happen because you have, like we said, Jacob Truba, you know, cosplaying as Paul Bunyan on someone's fucking head and he gets two games. But then you have David Perron, who's defending Dylan Larkin, who cross-checked someone that had get six games. And then you have guys who, you know, will just run a guy into the boards from behind and then cross-check him while he's down and get $2,500 fine because that's under the CBA. I, <clears throat> I just think that if you were to suspend Riley one or two games, given his history, given his status in the league in terms of being a constant professional and a great ambassador both for the game as well as for the team um never had any issues in anything like that but again he's gonna get hit with the leave tax i i will say this because i was talking to my dad after uh about the game both last night and uh today if that had happened in a game i was playing at and i did nothing i would not have played the next game. My ass would have been glued to the pine. I would have dressed, would have gone warm up, and I would not have played again for the rest of that game. Well, it's a, and that's the difference, right? That's the difference between like, and we can call this back to the Super Bowl. Like, look at Kelsey. He doesn't get the ball, loses his mind. Does Andy Reid have a problem with that? No, he wants that out of his players because it it shows how committed they are to winning. It's investment, right? These guys, like, like, are they invested in winning? Like, it looks like Morgan Riley has had enough. And, you know, credit to him. Like, I've shit-talked Morgan Riley a lot in the past. 
he's had a phenomenal season. He threw a mean hip check in that game too, um, which is a beauty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's people are like, yeah, but now Morgan Riley's gone for seven games, dude. It's Kenny Wu, two minutes, well worth it. Like I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> that's no big reference I hear, for anyone who can pull yeah. that out. I hear what you're saying. Again, Greg's fully entitled to do that. But he better be well aware that you pull shit like that, especially in a sport like hockey where, and again, whether you agree that it's kind of too reserved or not, there's certain things that you kind of don't do. It's like when teams are up five to nothing and there's four minutes left to go in the third and they get a power play, they're not putting out their power play one. You don't do that. That you're showing up a team that they're getting pumped five nothing. You know, the grinders get the chance. Yeah, you you throw at other guys. Um, now he's gonna have a reputation around the league for doing shit like that. Whether, and again, as you said, I'm sure he got spoken to by Claude Giroux after being like, "Hey, you can do that," but and like, fine, but don't do it. Do you know what I mean? Where, yeah, you have the ability and technically the right to do it. But that's not cool. That's not good juju. Um, the other thing, too, is is what Grieg may not realize, being as young as he is in the league, It and again, and I think we saw it with Revo being put out there after, is your dumbass decisions like that put the rest of your team at risk. Essentially, yeah. your your mouth and your actions are writing checks that the, other team ha- that the rest of your team has to pay for. That's a good Be- point. Right? So now... Ryan Reeves is out there and fuming and looking to pummel someone. Greg's not the guy that has to no, pay Kastlich that bill. He's going to have to answer it. Yeah. Right. Kachuk, he's the captain and sure he's a gritty, he's a tough guy. You think he's the guy who wants to stand up and fight Ryan Reeves? Uh, he'll do Absolutely it, but not. he's not going to want to. Like he's And he's going to get pumped. Gonna yeah, he's going to because he has to now. Exactly. So that's probably the main issue that guys are going to have is to be like, now we got to pay for it. You know, it's one thing if you make a good hit and someone jumps you and some guy goes, get ready because I'm coming at all of you. That's part of the game. But to do what he did, that's unnecessary outside of, you know, the typical plays of hockey that guys know they're going to have to stand up for. And yeah. It's just, I just, I know what it made me feel like when guys I played with would do stupid shit, either lip someone or cheap shot or whatever, because the first thing you say to fuck up. Yeah. 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 Because look now, now I have to go out there and keep my head up on a swivel more so than normal because now guys are going to take runs at me because of you. Yeah. You're not wrong. I I wonder what Greg thought he was accomplishing. Like what? Like, what yeah. did you hope to get out of it in your last game? You're not making the, like, what kind of statement, you know? And the, but the other thing, too, is, again, I just wish we saw more of this kind of response from from the rest of the team. I really do. Um, it's just so unfortunate that there's three or four guys, and even it, it even that it took this long for Riley to have this kind of response. Um, you know, he was a little bit better about it in the playoffs last year, but, you know, maybe he's just had enough. 
because this team has not performed well uh, in the back in in the last what 15 20 games yeah I don't know you know it's it's uh though though that's the playoff you know playoff mentality so maybe it's a little bit of a blessing because you know well, they're not that that stuff's open season in the playoffs they can't call everything. So. Well, my thing is, is if we've seen the Leafs do really well in, in the regular season and have fantastic regular seasons, finish, you know, top of the conference and top five team in the league and go into the playoffs and not do so well, maybe this year they're just kind of almost trying to get their playoff game in order earlier. And they're saying, look, maybe the regular season isn't going as well, but come playoffs these guys that maybe look like they're underperforming, like your Bertuzzi's, like your Domi's and shit like that. Those are the guys that in a playoff series get you the big goals. Those are the guys in the playoff series that are digging in front of the net and grinding other teams down. So Loki, I, I mean, thought Max Domi had a good game, by the way. You, he uh, did. I thought, I thought he had a pretty good game. Dustin, did. From, from someone who doesn't like who, who, who didn't necessarily play, you know what? Like, do you have the same level of understanding of that kind of stuff? Like, is it, does it, like, do you look at, do you, you look at that way? and say, yeah, like, do you look at that and say, yeah, like appropriate like, or, or good? Like, were you like, I thought the stick to the, I never like to see the stick use as a weapon, but I, I think you, yeah, it deserves some sort of response. And I would have rather have seen him just drop his gloves and start filling them in. What, and I think that would have been, yeah, Jennifer Botterill, who's usually against it, had the same opinion you did. Was that it definitely deserved a response? The stick to the face was kind of egregious, yeah. but even Kevin BX, I think, was like, that might have been a little high. He said, "For the so stick. yeah, I think maybe." And you know what? Sometimes when you're mad and you're on fucking ice and skates, and like you're not the most accurate sometimes, right? Like he may have been looking to just cross-check him in the shoulder into the boards or something, it rode up and he got him in the neck slash ear and head and face and whatever. I can see that as a totally reasonable explanation of what happened. I don't see Morgan Riley as the type of guy to be, you know, swinging to stick around like to Donald Brashear or something. But it was, it was Martin McSorley to Donald Brashear for, yeah. for the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see Morgan Riley as that type of player. But something needed to happen. And if nothing else, it teaches the kid a lesson. So I, if you watch the play again, when you slow it down, one Greg sees him coming and sees Riley's hands coming up and he gets his arm up. I wouldn't be surprised if, like you said, he's going for his shoulder or arm or whatever. And because Greg reacts and goes like this, it drives Riley's stick up and into that area. Which is the natural reaction yeah. too? Like if someone's about to hit you with something, you're gonna put your arm up to block it, right? So, also, what do you? What are the odds you think that this this moment, like Riley, basically becomes Leafs Jesus, and you know, dot, like gets suspended for the sins of the fact that these guys are, are basically, yeah, I'm gonna use a Stephen A. Smith euphemism from this morning. Their breath smells like Similac, like <laughs> that shit doesn't like, smell good either. Do they? <laughs> it does not. Do these uh, is this a turning point where like Morgan Riley like did a galvanizing this for us. moment? Yeah, 
I mean, I you. <laughs> I don't think so. You would you would hope so, but probably not. <laughs> no. Nope. Right. Yeah. I think because you know what I think happens. I think you need to see that from someone like Marner or Matthews. I agree. Yeah. Right. Like I think with Riley, they're just like, oh, this guy. He's been here for a while, and he's sick of it. You know, you kind of understand that the boiling point's been hit, but from guys like Matthews and Marner who always seem to be either optimistic or like, oh, uh, you know, we just try and focus on our game and try not to get into that shit and just, you know, you want to see that from them. And I think if that was Matthews coming back and absolutely driving that dude in the face, I think, I think it would be a galvanizing moment. Although he did take? it to Rasmus Dahlin and it didn't really come into a galvanizing moment. What is it? Well, I would argue that Matthews has been a little bit, better on that but like what does it take for a guy like mitch martyr to see red like so i was just gonna ask that like have you ever in your life and maybe it's happened i just don't remember it but remember the other day where jake mccabe got like hit late and the visor cut him and he was bleeding and he looked fucking furious on mason marchment yeah and how many times i remember as a kid watching darcy tucker just fucking lose it on the bench oh, the crazy eyes somebody you know and these are the players that we always liked growing up but scott Stevens, have you ever Stark seen Stark. yeah have, have you ever seen austin matthews get mad no i'm not even asking for him to fight somebody i'm not even saying that i will like, say he's been more physical this year than he has in previous years yeah, so but i'm, I'm not even talking about physicality i'm just saying like him and Wax marner him and and Nylander, like, I love them. They're all incredibly skilled. And I'm not trying to criticize Austin Matthews' game because the guy scored 42 fucking goals this year. I'm just saying, all I don't know. If, yeah, like, I don't, they're all very poised. And I don't know if I've ever seen them upset. Like, does losing, like, do you not, like, the whole thing, do you hate to lose? But yeah. they don't hate. To, like, I don't get that energy from them that they're pissed off about something. They're just, right. wee, I'm skating. You know? <laughs> we we're playing hockey um yeah i mean what, again I just, hockey should be fun but it's, it's, yeah but what is it like I'm, I'm curious what do you think it would take to piss mitch marner off he, i don't, I don't think you'd have to kick his dog like <laughs> like i think that's that would be it like you you know someone would have to show they have to play a video they'd have to go full wwe in the middle of the game video on the tron plays and the team has his dog and they're like if you want him, you get, and then he has, then he'll leave. Like when they leave the match and they run to the back, he leaves the ice and he goes and chases his dog. That was that he'd have to go full John Wick. I do like what Ryan Reeves said after though, because like he had his whole thing like it's a different era. Because he was like, if when I first came into the league, if someone did that, the guy'd probably be still laying on the ice and shit like that, and there'd be no talk of suspension. But they were saying, you know. It's kind of a shame it came in the last game of the year between you guys, which I think we all said is kind of convenient that he did it on that. And Reeves like, yeah, but we play next year. Maybe next year I'll get the opportunity to take a clapper on an empty net for them. And he's like, we'll see what repercussions happen then. Dude, low-key, Revo's been pretty good since he's been he's, back. Since he's come back, I think the time off and him saying he was healthy, but he was sitting, I think really incensed him. Also, too, probably put into his head that sure on other teams – they were probably like, just go do your thing. But coming here, he probably realized he has to be into it a little more. He has to be in on the play more because it's such an offensively driven team comparatively to other teams he's been on that he can't just go out there, crash and bang and whatever, that he has to also be able to play the puck. I want to see him hit Mitch Marner. 
No, I'll just see him fight Marner on the bench. Yeah, no, I that that's the kind of shit that a guy like that that's got to piss him off so much. Like, not just that the the shot happened, but guys like Marner not being he would kill to be out there in that moment. Oh yeah, he would. Oh, like he, that's yeah. He he would cut off a left nut to have been on the ice when that dude made that slap shot. It's a teachable moment, hopefully. Uh, for Reeves to hopefully teach the rest of his teammates of what needs to be done in that situation. Morgan Riley to teach his teammates what needs to be done. Maybe it's just, you know, a killer instinct that these guys lack. I think, you know, I think we've cracked it, guys, honestly. I think this whole thing, we've cracked it. And, like, this is the problem with this team is there's just no killer instinct. There's no, they don't get mad. They're just too, you know, even keel type of guys. And I think that's hopefully, you know, the trade deadline coming up. That's something they can add to this team. A bit more sandpaper, a bit more killer instinct. I know there's plenty of guys that are uh, floating around who they may be connected to. We'll see how that goes. But the trade deadline did just happen in the NBA. And the Toronto Raptors did make some moves. And it looks like the assembly of Team Canada that is happening with the Toronto Raptors continues here. Of course, RJ Barrett was brought in a few weeks ago now, but we can add Kelly Olynyk to that list of well, to that list as well of Canadian national players now playing for the Toronto Raptors as well, which I think is brilliant. And maybe we'll get to that in a second, but they also acquired Ochai Abaji. I have to look that one up to uh, pronounce that properly. Ochai Abaji. Uh, Ochai, I think will play a bit down the stretch he didn't play in their most recent game because apparently like the guys they sent the other way so Otto porter jr uh kira lewis jr i don't think what happened what happened was like they didn't pass their physical yet so like even though olenic and ochai were there they're like well they can't play until like the physical is done and the trade is official so i expect to see ochai actually play because uh, the raptors do have him under contract for the next little while they have his birds bird rights so i expect he's going to be at least a part of the bench going forward the raptors also traded thad young and dennis schroeder for spencer dinwiddie who they then who they then waived so essentially they just gave away players for no reason uh, although yeah so the, the reason is that they are taking on a bit more salary now with Kelly Olynyk and Ochai, and they are shedding cap space in the coming years. The NBA is really fucking confusing when it comes to the salary cap and bird rights and when you can Supermax. sign certain, yeah, supermax contracts and when you sign players will change the value in which you can sign them to of course all the players that get waived Mid-level near the trade cap deadline exemption. these cap exemptions the guys who get waived are also going to sign um league minimum contracts to go play on contending teams like Kyle Lowry got picked up by the 76ers there's going to be a lot of that right Dinwiddie went to the Lakers if you want to really dive deep into this, I suggest going to sportsnet.ca. Look up our boy, Blake Murphy. He did an entire article on what this Raptors salary cap 
situation looks like after the trade deadline. And he laid out a whole bunch of different um, scenarios where, you know, what what happens to the Raptors bottom out, they get the first pick in the draft, et cetera, et cetera, what this could look like in so many different scenarios. Ultimately, I think what's happening here is that Masai has realized this team sucks. And you can either say, fuck it and punt and say, we'll rebuild next year. Or you can be a sneaky motherfucker like what he's doing. And he's bringing in these Canadian players. It's just so we have something to cheer about <laughs> over the next little while. So we get to see a team with RJ Barrett and Kelly Olynyk, And we're like, all right, this is cool. There's Canadians on this but team. Behind I, think the it's, scenes, I think it's fucking brilliant. Behind the scenes, right? Like, it's it's yeah. You, they may be garbage, but you're gonna cheer anyway because you have Canadians to cheer for. So there's still exactly. a business that he's building. Um, they they traded a first round pick away again, right? Yep, they the did. But it's yeah, it's it was it's a late currently projected. The it's Pacers currently projected pick, right? the twenty eighth pick. It was a Pacers pick, right? It is the it says it is the worst of the twenty twenty four first round picks they own from Indiana. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. The listen, they this draft class is terrible. I don't think this draft class is very good. And Abaji if correct me if I'm wrong, was a lottery pick last year? The year before? I mean I think. sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> um so I think when they looked at it, they were like, Well, we're not gonna get a player in this draft better than Abaji. Abaji was first round 14th overall. Okay, so... 2022. Right, so if you think about it, they probably looked at this draft, assessed where he was drafted at and his potential and said, we're not going to get anybody better than this guy, so let's make the move maneuver. We get a veteran presence like Kelly Olenek in here, who's also Canadian, who um, I think I was looking at Rob Wong's Twitter, and he was saying that, Olenek used to listen to Raptors games on Fan 590 past his bedtime. Like, that was one of the things he used to do. That, so That's a deep cut. Like that's, Right? Yeah. It was just cool. So I think, you know, I, I we, we were very critical of Masai because we couldn't really see what he was doing. But now it's starting to take shape a bit. It's very clear that Scotty is the focal point of this team. Right? Um, they're going to move the ball. Um, and... They've they've acquired shooters, right? Olenek's a shooter, Quickly's a shooter, Barrett can shoot, half decent. Um, so, and I think there, I honestly think Gary Trent's going to end up sticking around for this team. Uh, I really do. I think that they are probably a couple pieces, significant pieces away from being like top end contender. I don't know that that Jakob Pertl is is a long-term solution there anymore just based on how they're going to play. Um, I'd like to see someone, you know, with a little more, you know, scoring touch, but maybe they think quickly can evolve into that. I, I think they're going to be entertaining. They might not be very good, but they'll be entertaining. <laughs> RJ Barrett's an entertaining player, likes to drive the net, doesn't like to pass. So that, <laughs> that might be a problem, but... They'll be fun to watch. I mean, you hope it'll pay off in the next year or two that you'll see what Masai's doing um, 
will lead to something better than what we've seen since they won the title. Um, you could tell he's very much trying to establish a very strong Canadian root content on this team because guys that, you know, it means a lot to them to be here. Um, and you hope that then translates to the other guys that are on this team or that will come in. I just think Olenek, yeah, a year or two, he's fine. Probably good depth piece. He's not what he was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, I just, it's tough seeing first round picks go out the door, regardless of where they'll be, because this team needs young, high end talent. And it seems like guys are getting are great tertiary pieces, but not substantial frontline players. Granted, this is what they have to do to be successful because they're not signing top end free agents, right? So. I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to be another 25 years of this team being anywhere from seventh to last. Well, this is something that we haven't seen the Raptors do in a while, right? Of being a lottery team and having to now position themselves in such a way of, okay, if the Raptors do get the lottery pick, what does that mean? Okay, well, that player is going to have to make X amount of dollars. And then that still has to fit on your salary cap. And then you have to like maneuver a number of pieces around these guys to continue to build a meaningful competitive team. So I think I believe in what Massai is doing right now. They like we said this last year, like what they should have done is started to prepare for this. And it looks like they're finally now admitting the fact that they need to prepare for he this. He waited half there the are, too long. Yeah, for sure. But there are definitely ways where this could end up working out really well for the Raptors. And look, there is a potential. They still have like two picks in the first round. Like even though they traded one, they still have two more. Like they're fine. And sure, one of them may have to be traded if it's not within the top seven, but it probably will be in the top seven. And if they are in the lottery, you never know, man. They could win that fucking lottery and they have the first pick in the draft. Now, it's not a slam dunk consensus number one that is going to change the face of your franchise no but you can have two picks in the top 15 and you you land whomever you want to say is the the number one pick who gives a fuck me the third pick who cares and then maybe around pick 13 14 15 they pick up Bronny james and then they go and get lebron james in free agency like i'm just saying like there are creative things they can do here for the record, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Bronny is going to—he's—he plays for UFC. He's going to be drafted by the Lakers, and the Lakers are going to re-sign LeBron James. Like that's how it's going to happen. I'm sure. However, it happens. It's going to happen. They'll find a way. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there is room for creativity here for Masai, and I—I'm willing to see how he plans to use that creativity. I think he looks at the Thunder and says, "That's how I want to do it," because the Thunder. The Thunder did it by acquiring, well, they acquired a shit ton of picks. Um, and they drafted young and they they built young and it, it's worked out for them. And I think, well, you know, they also have a potential MVP candidate in Gilgis Alexander. Well, I, but and you know what? That's a good point. They made an opportune trade with the Clippers uh, to take someone early that maybe the Clippers didn't believe in. So maybe that's something. Like a quickly, like, and I'm not saying quickly is like shy, but you know, he's only two, three years into the league. 
Um, he could turn out to be a really, really good point guard. So, you know, I think he's looking at it in a similar nature. I just hope he continues to find ways. And listen, if the if the draft isn't that good this year, try your best to get out uh, of the lottery and give that pick to the Spurs so that you can keep your pick next year, right? So <clears throat> I think that that's kind of the direction now is, you know, where do they see this draft versus next year's draft and what do they have to do to kind of set themselves up for success between those two picks? But I, I look for it. Look, these guys are going to get opportunities to play, and that's super important that some of these young dudes are going to get opportunities and that they're going to get floor time. And Scotty's going to continue to be a leader. He's going to be the guy to get the super max on this team uh, going forward. And they're now set up to do that. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I look forward to how entertaining they're going to be quick ball movers and they're going to be in a lot of games that they probably shouldn't be. And I'm stoked for that. I'm also stoked for WrestleMania. We are less than two months away. And the main event picture got a bit clearer this past week when the WWE hosted their WrestleMania kickoff in Las Vegas, right around the Super Bowl media availability. Smart. smart. Yeah. What I'll say about this thing. This is the coolest fucking thing they've done in a long time. <laughs> okay. They, they did something. And I think James, I said this to you directly when it was happening, but they did something that I had been asking them to do for fucking years. Something that I tell one Alan Taylor every single time a production element comes up. I'm like, no, can we please do it this way? Or great idea. Yes, let's keep doing it this way. How about we add this as well? And what I'm tr always trying to do is make it like a fucking sport. Like what drives me nuts about wrestling was it was, it just seems so cookie cutter, overproduced, over scripted. And it was jarring to watch. And I would always tell people, like, there would be so many times at Smash where I would go up to somebody and be like, hey, did you watch UFC last night? And like, no. I'm like, hmm. did, did anyone watch the sport? Uh, did anyone watch a sport recently? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like what, I'm, like, what I'm trying to illustrate is what we should do is have like the a, a one shot of the announcers and then a lower third come up to introduce who the announcers are. And then the announcer throws it to the other announcer and a lower third comes up and you introduce to that announcer. So when the viewer hears voices, they know who the fuck they're hearing and like who's talking. Like that's how UFC starts every single time. There's a shot on Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier and uh, it's escaping me the play-by-play -play guy's name, John Anik. Like you see, you see all of them and they're introduced and then they throw it to Megan Olivia. And Megan throws it. Anyways, what I'm trying to get at is they actually did that. They had a panel. Michael Cole was hosting the panel and he didn't sound like a robot. It sounded like Michael Cole was able to just talk. And then he introduced Pat McAfee, who just talked. And then, you know, Big E and Punk. And, and then they threw it to the back to Jackie Redman. And then Jackie did her interview. And know what she didn't do? She didn't say, please welcome my guest at this time. Randy Orton and then all of a sudden there's a camera moves over to Randy Orton and then he gives his scripted promo 
And then the segment ends. And then all of a sudden just goes to the next thing. What she did was asked him a real question. There was a, whoever she was interviewing, I don't remember, asked a real question and said, oh, no, and Byron, over to you. And then Byron asked a question to Paul Heyman. And then Byron said, back to you, Michael. And then Michael's like, thanks, Byron. I'm like, holy fuck, we're producing television all of a sudden. <laughs> this is sports television. Where, where did this come from? Anyways, um, really cool stuff. They did an entertaining show without any wrestling, which is effectively what Monday Night Raw is. <laughs> but they didn't feel they needed to wrestle. There was no ring set up. It was just, here's a promo. Here's a promo. It was interesting to see who they put out there. Like, Bianca's not a champion. She doesn't have a match at WrestleMania. But she's on the WrestleMania kickoff because she is young, athletic, good-looking. She can talk. People like her. She's over. Like, it's cool to see, like, who they believe in and what they want to promote. And then, of course, Rhea Ripley, and you had Becky Lynch out there. And then, then we got to the main event. And it was The Rock and Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins and and uh, who am I missing here? Roman Reigns. After all that, still got people talking. Still got them wondering where they're going to go. Y- you know that they're... They've said it's going to be Cody versus Roman. People are still wondering what The Rock's going to do. Still wondering how this is all going to shape out. And I think that's the intended reaction of let's make people interested. Let's make people speculate. Let's make them anticipate. Let's make them excited. Yeah. I just like that they're, they've given up the ghost on, on pretending like their audience are fucking children. Like they're not, you know what I mean? Um, and even the children aren't children. Do you know what I mean? Like the, uh, the best thing about the Pat McAfee show I love is that they air the warning. They're like, sometimes we say swear words because that's how people talk in real life. Like that's a warning that they air on their show and they swear during their ESPN slot. Like they don't drop F bombs, but, um, well, sometimes Aaron Rodgers does and they have to count them how many times he does. But, um, they, they say like shit and stuff all the time because that's how real people talk. And it was refreshing to hear The Rock drop an F-bomb, um, you know, and to, and Cody to come out and say this is bullshit. Like, it's, like, you don't have to say it every other word. You don't have to sound like, you know, whatever. But used in context that a normal human would, it's just, it's refreshing because it elevates the conversation to something more believable, right? Like, you don't, like, remember when they forced Roman to say suffering succotash? Like, yep. Come on, man. Matt, have you ever seen that clip, Maddie? Oh, it's bad. It's real it's bad. bad. He says, suffering yeah. succotash, son. Who's this? Roman in a promo. Like, uh, if you get a chance, look it up. It's cringeworthy. No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'll keep that no. part of my life to myself. Yeah, like I'd say, they, WWE's got enough cringy shit with... It's history that yeah. I don't need more cringe. This, but this was the least cringe thing. I think they had the family tree of the rock up there with all the history, which was like, whoa, you're like, you felt like it was important, which was a great setup for when he's like, Cody, you don't talk shit about my family. Like, you know, it was, it was great how they pivoted pieces and I don't know, masterclass in, in making it feel real. Like a hundred percent, if you were, if you were going to have a fight with your cousin, but then some jabroni came along and was like, yo, fuck your family. 
you're going to turn around with your cousin and be like, listen, I know we got beef, but wait a minute. This fucking guy's running his mouth about our family, right? Like that happens all the time. So it was very cool. It's just being treated seriously. Yes. And that's it. That's all I, and you know what? For all the criticism I give AEW, I think it that's the crux of the issue is that it's just not serious. And I just want someone to take this thing serious because and the hardest a, listen, thing... There's a space for the marky, funny, goofy shit. There is. There's a, there's a you know, in the, in the pie of professional wrestling, there is a slice where comedy... Look at R-Truth. R-Truth is a perfect example of sure. where comedy fits, right? And there are times where you can be tongue-in-cheek and, and, and be over with the marks and, and do marky shit, and that works too. But you're right. The majority of it, especially when it comes to championships, um, even storylines, the more serious you take it, the more interesting and, and invested you become. Look at it this way. When was the last time you saw a comedy movie win an Oscar for best film? I don't know if it's ever happened. Right? It's it's always the drama. Now, there may be... <laughs> Maddie's Googling that for sure. There oh, may yeah. be comedic relief... There certainly will be comedic relief throughout a drama or throughout a thriller or whatever. I understand the benefit of having some comedy sprinkled in when it's ne- when it's needed. But when we're talking about something that is on the surface ridiculous, it's professional wrestling, right? It's, it like it's yeah, whatever. The the when it works is when people suspend their disbelief and just buy into it. But when you constantly hit us over the head and tell us it's all bullshit and it's phony and who cares, we're just having fun, well, then you don't get the opportunity to suspend your disbelief. And then you're just watching guys do a dance routine. And but then the fun stuff the ain't so fun either because when it's, it's the same. When it's all goofy comedy, you have no goofy comedy. It's like the old like the adage of if you have a, a wrestling company full of seven-foot guys, you have, no, you have no giants. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you need the balance. You need a bit of everything to accentuate everything else. Anyways, I, I appreciate the fact they're taking this thing seriously. It, you know, there's so many times where uh, my buddy Ryan brings this up all the time where he's like fast forwarding through Monday Night Raw and he may have stopped on a segment to watch Roman Reigns or something. And in the very next segment will be like fucking Otis shooting somebody. And that'll be the moment his wife walks into the room. And you get this look of like, what the fuck are you watching? And it's like, that's the thing that needs to be removed. Yeah. Like, of course you walk in while I'm watching porn when the donkey shows up. <laughs> that's you a missed all the other time where there is humans involved. <laughs> yeah. If you were here 30 um, seconds ago, it was just a guy and a girl, I swear. It's a funny side story. There's a dude we used to know that one day, Jim had this apartment back in the day that we all used to just party at. Um, like literally there'd be about 15 of us there at any given time. We all went out for food one day and came back and this dude, Chris, not even like pants down or nothing, just like hanging out on the computer watching like, was it like elephants or whatever? No, it was horse. A horse with a, a, a female. And we're like, Chris, what the fuck are you doing? Go to turn it off. And he's just slowly puts his hand on whoever, I forget whose hand was like trying to turn it off. He's like, no, no let it play <laughs> and that was it so weird. Uh, anyway but yeah that's that's what that's like so but you're right it's you know what i've always even in even in 
the creative work that I had done, I had always said, take take an element of you that's real and like push that, like just blow that up, right? Like make it into something because the, the, the number one thing beyond the people believing is, is you believe it, right? You find something that you can latch on to to say, okay, that's who I'm going to be and that's how I'm going to do it. Um, and I think, you know, when things are relatable that like, and there's over the top elements for sure. Um, but like, even like when we did Scotty and, and Blackwood, you know, for people who don't know, we did this storyline between two guys where one guy basically was blackmailing another guy with something that they didn't want anyone to know. So he was kind of under their control. Like everyone's been in a situation where they've had to do something because somebody was holding something over their head. Right. And you, you can relate to that. And you look at someone and be like, man, wouldn't it be great? But you, you empathize and you create feelings of empathy and, and connection. And that, that when I was watching the rock and Cody and, and all that stuff, like I, like I got it, you know what I mean? And I think that's the difference. I, I watched what they were doing. I listened to what the rock saying. And I'm like, I understand this. And that's something that they haven't been able to accomplish for a long time. And we still don't have a whole lot of clarity, clarity of uh, what's going to happen at WrestleMania, but we're interested. And that's, that's, that's the end goal. So can't wait. And I think with that being said is now time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it is time for everyone's favorite segment of the week because it's the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his incredibly long run in the World Wrestling Federation from 2001 to 2001. His, <laughs> his YouTube channel is pretty, pretty popular, eh? Like, he goes off on Again, a bunch of shit. <laughs> I've, said it, I've said it once before, but it's worth repeating. He is successful at YouTube because he is making not wrestling videos on YouTube, He's making YouTube videos that happen to be about wrestling, yeah. And like he just he gets the difference and he understands how to draw Which is an good audience for him, on YouTube. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Funny no, thing is, probably, probably say, making more doing that. To come back. Oh, Dustin is probably half stocked right now. Thinking about that, <laughs> I would listen. We're, we're, <laughs> a great spot for obviously is the Royal Rumble, and that's past. I mean, this year at least. But that would be a hell of a... You You need the music, though. Like, you have to have that music. If I was WWE, I would do a whole event around, like, Secret Wars. Like, similar. I would just bring guys that you never thought you'd see again back for, like, one night only. Sandman? Like, Sabu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you're describing... Rumble, but I want something different. Like, you have no idea what the matches are. <clears throat> Basically, like, progress is unboxing or the smash mystery show but like yep. like first the music hits fuck yeah matt's right sabu comes out right and then the next guy comes out it's fucking i don't know sandman or well new jack's dead but you know you get the drift right like that would be amazing yeah that could be a lot of fun and you could book a a different looking venue too like just i would do something completely different with it yeah like at a bar 
they should do like a survivor series kind of draft where there's like a pool of guys and there's two captains and guys draft and then that's the match and it's, or they get a number all these mystery guys are assigned a number and imagine yeah. you get like you get a number and then you open it up and you don't know who you get oh fuck that'd be amazing there you know, go. unfortunately, I think this is how a lot of these decisions are made. Like it's guys <laughs> in a room, or at least historically, yeah, throwing out stupid ideas. But then all of a sudden, Vince McMahon's like, "God damn, that's a great idea!" And like, "Oh shit, really? Well, um, do it." Whoops. <laughs> uh oh. Now we have well, to do, do this it. fucking thing. We got to We got to do a Punjabi prison now. Fuck. Where do I? And I'm Johnny in charge Ace? of. <laughs> Get me a lot of bamboo. <laughs> Get me some pit bulls. <laughs> Give me. I need. Find me some food. dog food. Damn it. Just don't leak his text. Oh, don't look brother. at my phone. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, stay on the topic of wrestling. My shout out is going to go to Lee Fitting. And uh, you may not know the name, but Lee Fitting is the gentleman who took over for Kevin Dunn. And thank Christ Kevin Dunn is gone. Listen, I know he, he contributed to the company for many years. Great. And he deserves a lot of credit for a lot of things, better or worse. But I think what we saw this past Thursday night has everything to do with their new producer who comes from a professional sports background that they said in their press release that, um, where did they say? He comes from ESPN where he oversaw production for tentpole properties, including Monday Night Football, College Football Game Day, and College Football Playoffs and many other properties within the Disney portfolio. So a tremendous amount of experience in sports broadcasting. And they now brought him in to take over WWE's broadcast. Between so, him, The Rock, and Ari Emanuel, you're going to see a lot of differences. And don't like, forget Nick Ari Emanuel's, I imagine, has a, a real big influence. I, I think Lee and Ari are going to have a lot of synergies in, in terms of how they want to see the product. So you're right. That's a big shout out. James, go ahead. Or Maddie, whomever. Jim can go. <clears throat> I've mentioned them a couple times in the show, but like, man, I, I was saying to you guys before, Stephen A. Smith gets a, a, a lot of bad credit because I think people only clip the moments where he's trying to be entertaining and then share it out. Like, what is this guy talking about? But if you watch all of First Take and stuff, like the guy is pretty bang on with most of his takes. He's pretty fair. He is entertaining um, in context, like a lot of clips, people are like this fucking idiot, this asshole doesn't. You have to watch all of it in context because half the time he's joking and he ends up laughing about it after. Like today, him and Shannon Sharp were going back and forth about <laughs> who's closer to the GOAT, uh, Mahomes to Brady or LeBron to MJ. And Stephen A was like, Of course, it's Mahomes to Brady. He's 28, he has three championships, three MVPs. Like, he's made it to the Super Bowl this many times. And Shannon Sharp was like, the question should be changed. should be, is MJ closer to LeBron? And, like, they were just losing their minds at each other. And it was just hilarious. So, shout out to those guys. Um, and, like, just basically, you know what? I'm shouting out the whole ESPN daily lineup. Between first take into Pat McAfee show, it's an incredible, like, four hours of of sports talk. So No, it's like six. <laughs> true it's really no good. seriously because first take is what an hour and a half two hours and then pat mcafee's like three, three yeah so shout out to that entire well the first only the first two hours are on espn of pat mac the last hour is full of f-bombs because they get it all out on youtube um but yeah shout out to the espn sports lineup because it's really good and like even they had dan orlowski on today that guy's awesome 
So, all those guys, shout out. Very nice. Um, mine goes to something that is probably the start of an obsession of mine. And it started 25 years ago. And it kicked off, like I said, an, an obsession that has grown to something that, you know, you can call it nerdy or cringy or whatever you want, but something that has probably had one of the biggest impacts on my life. Um, and that is the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VIII is today. Nerd. Nerd. Go nuts. But <laughs> it's um, it was the first one that I played, like fully end to end. And it's what kind of was the big introductory game into not just Final Fantasy, but to JRPGs as a whole. Tell them a story um, about how you started playing it, though. <laughs> so uh, we got like a PC copy of Final Fantasy VIII and Jim started the game. And I was like, oh, this looks fun. So I just picked up the save and kept playing from just picked there. up my save file and played from there. And then I was like, I came back. It was so far. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, and he just never went back to it. But it's, uh, like I said, it's it's both like the music, the stories, characters, and things like that. You know, people say, oh, this movie had a profound impact on me or this book or whatever. But this series is arguably the biggest impact in terms of entertainment medium of my life that... And this is where it all started. So big shout out to Final Fantasy VIII for me. And shout out to all of you for tuning into another episode of 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. This was episode 95. Bruh, I just realized also too, we're going seven months with no football. No, UFL. Fuck that. UFL kicks <laughs> off March 30th, baby. No, I'm, I'm, no, but you know what? We will have football news because obviously there's going to be a lot of coaching changes. There's going to be drafts there's gonna be what the teams are gonna starts. yeah the combine's coming i like just quick teaser i think the Bears should be taking marvin harrison jr also so i'm oh. gonna try and get into the cfl i'm telling you this is the year no I'm no gonna do it he's no. gonna lie he's, he's gonna no, last half a game us. i we're all no, going no. to a game no no mm, <laughs> dude you could you could put me in a private box with free food like pasta pizza Liar, ice cream you're going no i'm not okay hold on if, if there's a box involved i'm a hundred percent going i mean i could get you like you can make that a, happen dustin I like a fedex box to happen. sit in yeah <laughs> you, dustin if you make that happen i'll go there. i'll even buy a jersey What's it? no there are those jersey i'll Jack go but i'm not buying a jersey <laughs> There was at one point I remember looking Ooh. at Argo jerseys on the their web store, and like the only one you could buy that was like readily available was Pinball Definitely. Clemens. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> He's a, he hasn't played in twenty three years. No one cares about the current players, but like Pinball, all right, yeah, absolutely. Damon Damon Allen. Doug Flutie. One of the things that we definitely will be talking about in the coming weeks, as as in addition to NFL coaching changes, there will also be baseball starting real soon. Baseball, you know, oh. it's. Mid-February, baseball is starting soon. And we can talk about our dejection about how terrible the Jays will be. Oh, they'll be bad. <laughs> and this coming Friday, not only am I going to see Toronto versus Montreal in the Professional Women's Hockey League at the Scotiabank nice. Arena on Friday nice. night. Which, but, shout but also to, sub shout out, because that game sold out in like six minutes. Not only am I going to that game, I'm also going to be in the MasterCard Lounge for that game. Yeah. So... Pizza You're the pasta. master of cards. <laughs> yeah, talk about will, pizza and pasta. I will give you the entire rundown of what the MasterCard Lounge is like at the Scotiabank Arena. Full review. Yes! Come on next week's episode. That's awesome.
Yeah, I but until then, help control the pet population and have your pets spayed or neutered.